Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right in to today's message. Good morning, church. Welcome to Release City. Who was here for the very first time? I missed who's here for the very... Hey, we are honored that you guys are here. Anybody else right here? So glad you guys are here. I know my wife, we just did that. But I like to see sometimes, and just, just to reiterate what she said, I just want to be able to say, hey, welcome to Release City. I'm so honored that you chose to be here today, and we believe that you made the right choice today. Amen? Well, as you know, we are in a collection of talks Uh, And we've been dealing with the subject, killing the things that are killing you or killing the things that are killing me. And I encourage you to take notes today. This is going to be a really powerful, powerful um, segment of this collection of talks. And we're talking about identifying the areas in our lives that we deal with, things that we deal with on a surface level. Um, Maybe we've just adapted to them and we call it normal. It's dysfunctional, but it's just been dysfunctified. That's not even a word. Y'all know, it's been, how can I even say it? Somebody help me. It's been dysfunctional for so long. How about that? It's been dysfunctional for, sometimes I'm trying to reach for words. Y'all just help me. It, we, it's been dysfunctional for so long. The dysfunction we now label as normal. We took the first two weeks and we talked about attacking insecurity because insecurity is a tool that the enemy uses to keep you in your seat. He don't care if you come to church. Enemy don't care if you come to church. It's when you move out of your seat and you actually start connecting with people, building relationships, serving other people, and doing stuff within the body of Christ to build the kingdom. To advance. That's, what, that's what he concerns him. And the, the one thing that, that keeps us in our seat is insecurity because we come in and go, oh, my gosh. If I come in, the walls are going to cave in. The roof's going to fall down, right? No, we want you to understand that God wants to use you right where you are. It's okay to not be okay. It's not okay to stay not okay. And so, to, and, and I, your pastor's not okay. I'm crazy sometimes. And the church said, I guess we just threw pastor appreciation right out the window. Just, whew. we'll try again next year. No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> crazy's good. I gotta tell Amy that when next time she can stop acting crazy. Crazy's good, baby. Crazy's good. So so we took the first two weeks, we talked about attacking insecurity. Today I want to tie back into that transitional video that we just we just watched. Um, so if you brought your Bible, let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 18 this morning. Book of Matthew, chapter 18. If you got your if you got your leather-bound Bible, let's throw it up in here. Let me see who's got their not your glowing Bible, your your Bible Bible. All right, now let me see all the glowing Bibles, all the phones. There you go. The rest of y'all, what do y'all, y'all just got it memorized, right? Okay, praise the Lord, y'all amazing. Matthew 18. I'm going to start with verse 15, and it says this: <clears throat> If another believer, everybody say believer. So this is for us in this room who call ourselves Christians or followers. Of Christ. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. Did not say put it on your Facebook account, even though it's your personal account. Oh, wait, I, it's not in there. Oh, it's not, it's not in there, y'all. I, that's just my version. I'm sorry. Okay, and so, and so, 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 
if the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, next, take one or two others with you and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If the person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. Then, if he or she won't accept the church's decision, treat that person as a pagan, or we would refer to that word as somebody from the world, even though they're a believer, treat them, and we'll break that down in a minute, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. Today, in part three of this collection of talks, we're going to be talking about attacking unforgiveness by discovering boundaries. Attacking unforgiveness by discovering boundaries because unforgiveness, remember what our title of the entire series is, killing the things that are killing you. Whether you realize it or not, unforgiveness is killing you. Unforgiveness is causing you anxiety. Uh, unforgiveness is causing you despair. Un uh, <clears throat> unforgiveness is causing you uh, to compare your life to others. Unforgiveness is a thief and it will rob you. Unforgiveness, I read this and you've probably heard it before. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and waiting on the other person to die. Ever heard that? That's what unforgiveness, every single person in this seat, in this room, and those watching online or listening later on podcasts has experienced, you either have, 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 have been a victim to unforgiveness or you yourself are harboring unforgiveness. And the truth is, if we're going to have healthy relationships, it's going to require you and I to have healthy boundaries. Hey, Dominico, this little buddy, I wish y'all could see what I see. He has been locked in right here. Raise up a child in the way he should go. And when he gets a big guy, He'll stay. Can I get a smile or something? Y'all, I wish. I mean, he is like glued, glued in. Crazy. Okay. So look at your neighbor and tell him, say, neighbor. Hey, good morning. <laughs> this message is for me. <laughs> now turn to your second choice and say, well, hello, neighbor. This message is for you too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So as I begin preparing this collection of talks, killing the things that are killing you, I start thinking of things, and this is kind of what we're going to be discussing over the next few weeks as we get ready to close out 2023. I started thinking of things that, that kill us. There's probably a lot, but these are some of the things. Addiction is a killer. Remember what I said, it will cause you to be dysfunctional and before too long, the dysfunction happens for a long period, a certain period of time and we call that dysfunction, now it's normal or I just adapt to it and accept it. Things like anger, anxiety, depression, comparison, confusion, fear, insecurity, and oh yes, today, unforgiveness. You know, I thought all of those things, addiction, anger, anxiety, all that, that's not just in the world, that happens in the church. Unforgiveness happens in the church, hello, don't talk too loud, I know. See, as we get started, I want to I make a foundational statement. I want you to write this statement down right from the jump. Are you ready? Here it is. Unaddressed hurt will turn to hate. 
hurt that you leave unaddressed will eventually turn to bitterness and hate. And before too long, the person that hurt you, you will turn into that exact same person. Because whatever you focus on, you become. (laughs) That wasn't in my notes, but he just reminded me of previous messages. See, if, if, if I don't deal with the hurt in my heart, it will become hate in my heart. And if I don't deal with the hate in my heart, I'll soon become like the person that hurt me. Bitter and resentful what's the old saying hurt people hurt people so you know i've posted it before i've seen others post it be careful how you respond to people just because they may have a a moment of ugliness you don't know the, the you don't know their backstory and you don't know what they're going through that's causing them to respond to you it's probably not even you it's probably a hurt from something else that is now surfacing because you pushed on something are you tracking me I mean, we're supposed to be like Christ anyway. It doesn't say just because they, they punch you in one face and so you punch them back. No, what's the Bible say? Turn the other and let him have the other one. <laughs> just, just saying. Today I want to preach a message that I sometimes think the church misunderstands. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down as, to, as well. You get what you allow. I don't know how many times I hear people complaining about their life, complaining about family members treating them a certain way, and and just complain, 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 complain. But you get what you allow. You are the manager of your life. You are the man. Sure, many many of us have managers. Even your pastor has people that he is under. And and, and they they may have the title manager, but they don't have to disrespect you. And the moment that you, and I don't mean get ugly, but the moment you clarify that, they're like, okay. But if they get mad and boot you out of the way, guess what? God's got another, see, I'm trying to, yeah, but what if I do that and they fire me? Well, that just means that wasn't what God had for you. There's something else. Because what God doesn't want is people taking advantage of your kindness. Now, if you're an employee that needs a better work ethics, that's on you, boo. <laughs> right? So you get what you allow. Can you just say that with me? Say, I get what I allow. Whatever you give permission to, that's what you're going to deal with. I'll never forget in, in, in my 20s, I, I, I drove a 93 Mercury Tracer. My employee, not my employees, but the, 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 the yeah, actually it was my employees. They named this little car. Uh, I don't even think they make them anymore. Uh, it wasn't my first car, but it was a, car, it was a brand new one. And it was a Mercury Tracer, and they called it Gumby because it was green. And I'll never forget, it was a great car. It got me from point A to point B. I remember one day in the middle of the summer, I went out from my bachelor pad above a beauty shop. Crazy fragrances come out of beauty shops. And how many knows that fragrances rise? And that perm smell that smells like a bathroom that doesn't have a fan in it? came through my, I would, I, y'all got perms today? Y'all ain't coming to my house. <laughs> and so 
Okay, y'all can laugh a little bit. I'm, I'm trying to lighten the mood. I'll never forget, I walked down those stairs from above the beauty shop, and I got in Gumby, and I cranked it up, and I went to hit the air because it was hot in Alabama at that time of the year. And I'll never forget, my, my air didn't work, and I self-diagnosed it to say, whatever it is, it's got to be too expensive. I can't fix it. So you know what I'll do? I'll roll down all four of my windows. I didn't have the, you know, the automatic. I had to, had to get back and roll the seat back a little bit and unroll them down. Roll it down. I never forget people, we would, we would go to lunch together uh, from work and we'd ride in my car because <laughs> it looked better, but it didn't have, it looked okay, but it had some dysfunction in it. <laughs> and I'll never forget, they're like, hey, B, it's hot as 500, you know what's in here. I said, yeah, just roll the window down. It'll be okay. It's a temporary fix, but it's okay. Did you hear what I just said? It's a temporary fix. Fix. See, everywhere I went, I just, I just rolled with the window down. And back then, that was a, that was a big deal for me because I had hair. Probably the reason I don't have hair now is because I wanted it all to be in place. You remember, babe? <laughs> I had hair when we got married. She's like, oh, what happened? No, and so, and so that was a big deal for me to ride around town with, with windows down and, and it just flowing through. And so anybody know what, anybody know what that's called? When you, and no, not a cheapskate, by the way. You, anybody know what that's called? Rolling down the window is what you call a quick fix. And we're rolling down the window in a lot of our relationships trying to get a quick fix, trying to put Band-Aids all over it, trying to put Band-Aids on a bullet hole. <laughs> Truth be told, many of us in our lives are settling for quick fixes. The problem with quick fixes is this. Although it may have solved my problem, my immediate problem, my car was now functioning or not functioning at its optimal design. When I rolled the window down to my car, my car became dysfunctional. You ever rolled down just one window in your car? Or you've been driving down the road and one of your kids hits the, hits the back? What's, it's like hurt your ears like... Everybody say Dysfunctional. Yeah. And see, what a lot of people don't realize is in life that the things that we call normal that are broken, we're becoming comfortable with dysfunction. It's just been broken, so this is, this, I'm, I'm going to be okay with this. This relationship has been jacked up for so long. I, it's, it, I'm, it, it's, not, it's, too, it, it, it's probably going to cost me more to invest in the relationship so I'm just going to live with the dysfunction. Remember what I said. It's not just in the world. It, it's in the church. And I'm not responsible for the world, but I am responsible that you hear the truth. And it's based on the decision you make off of what you hear, whether or not your life will be changed. So I just put that right back on you for those that didn't see that coming. See, I appreciate your flexibility but what you need to realize is this, ladies and gentlemen, God designed you in such a way and God designed relationships in such a way that they would function at their optimal design. And at some point, you've got to be like, I'm no longer going to tolerate this dysfunction. I don't know who I'm talking to today. I don't know if it's in your marriage. I don't know if it's in a relationship with your kids. I don't know if it's a relationship with those in your family. But I'm no longer going to tolerate dysfunction. I'm going to make a change in my heart. And I'm going to start making moves to get these things back in order. 
See, I think in real life situations, in real life relationships, I think many of us are content with just applying band-aids. We don't want to work on the relationship. We just want to apply a band-aid. Man, that hurt my heart. So I just apply a band-aid. I'm not going to tell you about it. I'm just going to sulk, have a pity party. Somebody says something, somebody says something about you and shoot, you help me out. I'm too old to get down there. I won't, might not be able to get back up. Thanks, sweet girl. Somebody stabs you in the back. You just put a band-aid on it. You don't want to address it. You just put a band-aid on it. Adam and Sarah, come here. You'll even come to the church. You're going to do this real, real fast. You'll even come to the church. I didn't tell them about it, so they don't, they don't know. You'll even come to the church. Start opening them up. You'll even come to the church, come down front, and, 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 and oh, wow, and we did this today, but I, I don't, I'm not, so don't feel like I'm judging anything that took place in the altar because I know that what happened, it was God. Just start putting them all over me. We'll come, we'll come to the church, and we'll ask God to help us because we're hurting. Somebody took advantage of us. And we'd rather just put Band-Aids all over it. Wondering how come we then go out into the light. I should have already opened those up for y'all. I'm so sorry. Sometimes, sometimes, let me have one. Sometimes we'll even, we'll even go as far as. Because how many knows your tongue can be a weapon to hurt other people? So instead of getting it, keep on going until you run out. Instead of getting into God's word to find out, well, maybe I'm the problem. Maybe I'm the problem. So instead, I'm going to put the band-aid over my mouth. I'm not going to submit myself to what the Word says. I'm just going to put a band-aid on it. Many of you in this room have been putting band-aids on relationships, putting band-aids on things. That's good. I think the point's proven. Thank you all. Y'all give it up for the Hires family. Where are you at today in your relationships? Are you putting band-aids on things? Or are you actually confronting those things? Well, I'm tired of this happening. I'm tired of that person doing this to me. You're allowed it. How many times are you going to allow it? First time you, the first time you allow it, it'll be much easier for them to do it again because you've allowed it. And it'll be much easier for you to sit down and let it keep coming because you allowed it. Oh, I'm putting some responsibility on some people today. That's my, that's my responsibility. <laughs> Let me tell you something about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a release from the pain that is hurting you that, that will bring healing. But the healing is a process. Healing, <coughs> healing is a process. Let me explain. Bryson Hires, who is doing a phenomenal job on our screens, by the way. This is the first day he's doing it by himself. Y'all give it up for Bryson. Doing a great job. One of, our, one of our middle school students. Not too long ago, Bryson had an accident and, 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 and fractures, I think, or something. Sprain. What they did was they put a boot on it. You know, now that boot was a boundary. We're talking about boundaries, okay? In the process. If you, let me say, if you break your arm... You're not just going to walk around with a broken arm, are you? No, you're going to go to the doctor. You're going to have them put, 
put a cast on it or, or have the boot if it's, if it's your leg. The cast is a hard shell that is placed on your arm or leg temporarily. Everybody say temporarily. But it's there to protect the bone and tendons from further damage. So I got to ask, if a bone requires time to heal, what makes you think that a broken heart doesn't require time to heal? If a broken bone has to be, if a broken bone has to have established boundaries, you think a, a broken heart won't have to have established boundaries? I'm talking about maybe you've been hurt. Okay. What I've learned in life is this. Healing requires healthy boundaries. The healing process requires healthy boundaries. If you say, God, heal me of this, but you're continuing to walk back into that situation, no longer addressing it because you're allowing it, the dysfunction. <laughs> you got to set some boundaries. Let me say this too. The cast, although it is there, the purpose of the cast is protection. It also restricts the movement. That's why it's temporary. Because how many knows when you got one of those? I've seen guys who've had the shoulder replacements. And they got that big pillow, and they, uh, Mr. Tim had it, I think, and some other guys had that. It's there to protect, but it, it's restricting. You're no, you're no longer you're no longer living at your optimal design. You're no longer living the way that God intended you tended you to. That's why that's temporary. So the boundaries that we're talking about today, they have to be temporary because what will happen is if you go, well, I, I would just rather be in this shell and I'd rather not, not be around anybody and I'm, I'm protecting my heart. But also you're ki it's killing you because there's a sense of, a, there's, there's an amount of unforgiveness because you're now sheltered. And that's exactly where the enemy wants to keep you, sheltered and alone. Amen. We'll just stay out of that church. They don't care about you anyway. Nobody's even asked about me. Stop being so self-centered. I'm pushing some responsibility back. People say, well, nobody talks to me. Well, who are you talking to? Bible tells me that it, to have a friend, you must show yourself friendly. So people who walk in here, and it doesn't happen very often, but if people walk in here and go, well, nobody just talked to me. I don't know what church you went to, but I guarantee there are 5, 6, 10, 15, 20 people going to talk to you before you walk out of here. We make that a priority. Everybody say temporary. temporary. Boundaries are necessary, but they're only meant to be temporary. Y'all still here today? I got a lot of information to give you, but this, this, I'm not going to make this a part two. I'm going I'm to get through this because this is really good. When we start talking about un, uh, excuse me, forgiveness and setting boundaries, there's always the question of, hey, B, if I forgive that person, does that mean I'm supposed to run right back into that, that dysfunction? The answer is no. No. Now, if you're married, that's a little different. Well, praise God, I've been waiting for the pastor to say, it's going to be okay just to leave him or her. Uh, <laughs> Y'all need to remove the I quit option. Because what that sounds like to me is you trying to say I quit. And I'm telling you, yes, there are things in the Bible that say that divorce, that's an ugly word, I don't even like, there are some things that apply to that. But I'm here today to tell you as a pastor and as a failed person, human being, 
There is absolutely nothing that has happened or could happen in your marriage that is not beyond repair. Nothing. Because the blood of Jesus and he forgave me of so much. I'm telling you, it can be restored and revived and hot behind closed doors. Come on, somebody. (laughs) I'm just telling you, I say it all the time, but people are like, yeah, but you don't know. No, you don't know. You don't know. And I'm here to tell you and testify there is nothing beyond repair. Missed a good time to put your hands together for Jesus right there because I'm telling you what, his blood is enough. Most of the time when we start talking about forgiveness, people always ask, how many times do I keep forgiving? Everybody ask that? Y'all know the the verse in the Bible, right? 70. Matter of fact, matter of fact, Peter even asked Jesus in Matthew 18. Why? Because Jesus knew that we like to keep score. I tell them all the time in premarital counseling, you put your scoreboard away. Yeah, but they took the trash out five times and, 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 and she should be, or he should be. Listen, forgiveness is not about keeping score. True forgiveness is about losing count. <laughs> if you're counting, you're not forgiving. In Matthew 18, Jesus is showing us some practical steps, and we're going to dive into this, for what we, you and I need to do when someone hurts us or sins against us. I'm just going to reread uh, 18, 15. It says this, if another believer sins against you, remember, this is for believers. If another believer sins against you, go privately, point out the offense. If, that, if the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. The problem with a lot of Christians is they walk away from relationships without first taking the first biblical step that God requires. That was Je- it's written in red in my Bible. This was Jesus who said it. Too many Christians will walk away because they have labeled themselves hurt beyond repair. Let me say this. I think I put it, I did. An offense become septic when it is silent. That's why Jesus said, go to them privately and tell them what they did. They may not even know. Because you do know there are some people who carry offense. They're looking for offense. And anything, because that's their mindset, anything that they, they see, they can take as offense because that's their new normal. Am I telling the truth, y'all, or am I, am I making all this up? Okay, okay. But an offense will become septic in your body. You know what septic is. from the high, It'll become septic. It's nasty. It stinks if it's kept silent. So let's look at the steps. First step is what? Go to that person, or I put it this way, tell them. Point number one, tell them. Bring it to their attention. Unless you express to that person they hurt or offended you, you can't expect them to know. Let them know. And how you communicate that, by the way, because <laughs> if you're just wanting to, if you just wanting to get, your, get your two cents in, then you go pray and then come back. Somebody say, yeah, but that, that's, that, that's going to be some friction. It's going to be awkward. Sure it is. This stuff ain't easy. If it was easy, we'd all be doing it. <laughs> right? 
I'm trying to help y'all. Some of y'all, I didn't come to hear this. No, you need this. Because you may not have any issues going on right now, but I promise you, now that you heard it, the enemy's going to make sure that he puts something in your face. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for. Any relationship worth keeping will only thrive with uncomfortable conversations. If you've got, if you've got a relationship that you're not having uncomfortable conversations, you're not, you don't have a really deep relationship. Most people... Most, most, most people. Most people would rather lose a friendship than have an uncomfortable conversation. What's it say? Iron sharpens iron. It's the friction that causes you to sharpen your dull edge. If you have friendships that don't have friction, you don't have a friend. Number two. He said, if they don't listen, take one or two people with you. What's that mean? Bring a witness. Bring a witness. Now, the person that you bring should be somebody that is trusted. And it does not mean, you remember when we were in grade school, somebody hurt your feelings, push you down on the playground? I'm going to tell my mama. Don't bring your mom because your mom's going to side with you. Bring somebody who can be trusted, who's in event. We're going to get there in a minute because I'm going to show you who. Bring somebody, not your spouse, not your, not your boyfriend or girlfriend. Bring somebody on neutral ground who can be trusted with the information. You don't need somebody going back out going, oh my gosh, can you believe what's going on in that church? They got all kinds of friction going on. <laughs> I, I hear some, so much going on in my head right now. Jesus said, yo, if they won't listen to you, bring a witness. And after you bring a witness, if they still won't listen to you, number three, bring it to the church. What's that mean? Get a leader involved with your, within your faith community. Where's my, where's my lead team members? You know who you are. My lead team members. Stand up. Lead team members. Lead team members. Lead team members. If you look around the room, those of you like, who, who, helps, who helps Pastor B? Who, who's helping run this ministry? And they're not all in here. Some of them are serving in other areas. You're looking for somebody to, you don't always have to come to the pastor. You go, go to somebody that you have who, they are invested in this ministry, which means they are invested in you. If you've got issues, I'm not saying that I'm not approachable. I'm not, don't, don't miss that. But what I'm saying is there is somebody, dude, I didn't have to tell them to sit at different places over the room and they didn't know I was going to do this. But they are sitting on your row for a reason. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we couldn't have mapped it out. If you need somebody, this is who they are, okay? All right, you can be seated. Bring it to the church. Get a leader involved. It's important that I point this out, that when Jesus was giving these instructions and when Jesus was teaching principle, he was trying to show us what optimal function, functionality in relationships should look like. And he was assuming that you were a part of the body of Christ. Because I hear people all the time, it's just, it's just me and Jesus. It's, I, I don't need the church. I, it's just me and Jesus. Hey, I'm glad that you have a relationship with him, but there's no need for you to even read the New Testament because most of what's in there is, was, was given instruction to the church. You got people sitting in their basement having Bible study instead of bringing 
bringing what they have because God's put something in them and put something in you and put something in me that we all need. And you're missing the whole point if I don't need to come to church. Oh, yes, you do. Because we're reading stuff that was meant to be digested as a body, not individually. And you need something because, because, because if I don't understand something, I can then go to a lead person and say, can you help me understand this? But if you're sitting in your basement having church by yourself or a few of your little family members, your circle is small. And God says, There's so, you're putting God in a box is what I'm saying. No, no, you're putting him in a basement or your living room. That's what you're doing. Am I talking to anybody today? Is this microphone loud enough? Can you hear me? Okay. See, New Testament, Philippians. Everybody say Philippians. That's not a guy. Philippians is a place, and as a matter of fact, it's a church. Say Colossians. That's in the New Testament too. Colossians is not some Greek goddess. It's actually Colossae, and it's the church of Colossae, and it was letters that were given not for somebody in a, in a, in a room by themselves. They were written for the church. And it's easy to get offended when all you do is hear your own resounding voice. When you isolate yourself. It's important that we have, we have all different different ways of looking at at the word of God in scripture okay let me move on I'm not trying to be ugly but I am trying to make a point that we need each other and if you're gonna if you're gonna get over unforgiveness you're less likely to do it by yourself because it hasn't been working for you and God drew you here today to hear somebody else's opinion no not my opinion somebody else who's not afraid bashful shy to, to tell you what the word of God says about unforgiveness and how it's killing you softly. Jesus was giving them a practical plan, three practical steps of what to do when someone hurts you. But after you covered those three steps, here comes the next part. And this is where we're going to land in just a moment. Because most of the time we do this un- incorrectly. If they will not reconcile with you, Jesus said, let them be to you like a pagan or a tax collector. Now, I, I told you when we read it the first time, when he says to them, they are now like a pagan. If Adam offends me, and I can say this to him because nobody else will get offended. <laughs> Jesus. If he offends me, even though he's a Christian and we didn't work things out, the Bible says for me now to look at him as somebody of the world. That's what the Bible says. Now, let me explain that to you. Because I know somebody's like, well, that was cruel because we're supposed to love everybody. Yes, it is. But let me, let me, let me, let me. Let me. If they will not reconcile to you, treat them like somebody of the world. Notice Jesus does not say, now that they refuse to reconcile and make things right, now you can hold unforgiveness in your heart towards them. He didn't say that, did he? He did not say, now you're justified to harbor unforgiveness. That's not what he said. He simply said, treat them like they are not a brother in the faith, but rather they are a part of the world. The world, watch me, the world is going to be the world. Okay? So don't get mad at them for being the world. That's like Connor. Stand right here. Do you speak Spanish? 
Okay. This is going to work then. I looked at you and I can't use you because you clearly can speak Spanish. I never have understood why, how the church can get so mad at the way the world acts. You're going to hell. I'm just leaving the Gator football game and I meet this brother on the side. You're going to hell. Maybe so. But guess what? Don't expect them to act any different because they're the world. Connor, speak Spanish. Come on, speak Spanish. No, speak Spanish. In Jesus' name, speak Spanish. He's not going to because that's not in his DNA. But yet we get mad at the world because they're acting like the world. And when we do that, we're ruining, it. We're ruining, any, ruining any chance we have to share the love of Christ because we're being judgmental. And basically what he's saying is, look, if he can't forgive you, look at him not as a brother who should be forgiving you, but now look at him as somebody of the world who's acting like the world and don't get, don't get surprised or aggravated because they're acting that way. Did I make that? Did I make the connection? Okay. So when someone hurts you and you go through the process, if you skip any of those steps and get out of order, it's going to be very, di- <coughs> it's going to be very difficult for you to reach the end goal of reconciliation if you don't follow the steps. Okay. Basically, what the, what, what's the Apostle Paul say about believers? What does the Apostle Paul say about believers and the world? I'll help you. Because you're probably like, I don't know. You can come from all kinds of directions. This is where I'm coming from. He says, don't be unequally yoked. Okay? What's a yoke? We don't see those too, too often, even though we have farming in this area. What's a yoke? It's a wooden object that was placed around the necks of two oxen. Hopefully oxen that share the same strength. Why? Because the oxen have one mission to plow the field. Remember, that's why you can't be unequally yoked. Watch, being unequally yoked is meaning that one of us is stronger than the other. What happens if, if there's two oxen who are unequally yoked? They're just going in circles, making no progress. Some of y'all have been in relationships unequally yoked. I'm not saying that unbelievers and believers, I'm just saying your strength is at different levels and you're not able to go in the same, you're not able to plow the same because there's two different strengths going on. Oh, I could take this so I don't have time, but I could take this and, 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 and use it as a teaching moment. What Jesus is saying is you shouldn't be yoked with that person any longer. In essence, don't get bound to them. Set a boundary. Is this helping anybody today? I'm almost done. Almost. Man, I, yeah, of course. Some of you in this room have, set, have never set limits to the toxic, dysfunctional relationships, dysfunctional relationships in your life. You are required to forgive everyone, but you're not required to tolerate everyone in your life. Did you hear me? You can't blame God for toxic relationships in your life when you haven't set boundaries. Remember what I said, whatever you allow, that's what you get. Boundaries say, I'm no longer going to allow you to teach to talk to me this way. I'm no, gonna lo- I'm, no, I'm no longer going to allow you to treat me this way. I'm setting a boundary. 
Oh, I can't wait to get to the end of this because some of y'all are like, oh, I like that. Oh, I can, when I set a boundary, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like, oh, hold on. Because some of y'all are like, no, nah, I can't say it yet. Okay. Oh, let me, let me open up this can of worms. If my biological brother, who is Joshua Kenneth, who lives now in Texas, if he was, a, if he was an alcoholic, Meaning he woke up from the time he woke up and he's got constantly got bubbly. He's got something, got something in it, got a spirit. Yeah, he anyway, spirit in his hands, got something. And you get around him and he's drinking all day. This, this Joshua Kenneth. And for those of y'all know that this should actually be humorous because we all grew up in the same house. So this ain't making a good sense. But anyway, I was like, God, I understand the illustration you're trying to be show, but I don't really have that. But I'm going to say it anyway. And he invited our family to Texas for Christmas. Can I tell you who is not showing up with his three girls? Yeah, but that's your brother and you're supposed to love him. Absolutely, and I do. But I'm setting boundaries that I'm not going to tolerate that environment to my, my babies who are much older now. She's the last baby we got. She'll be 21 in February and married in May. Celebrate good times. Come on. Oh, that was for me and her. <laughs> I got I to gotta land this plane. Some of y'all felt the altitude go back up. Some of you have relationships and people that you're, you enjoy hanging out with, but you know that it's not healthy for you to hang out with them. I've had people ask me all the time, my, my, a family member, isn't, this is how they are. Is it okay to invite them? It's not. Not if you're setting boundaries and you're trying to reach a new place and, and you're, trying to, you're trying to have an atmosphere and cultivate the presence of God in your home. I don't just invite everybody to my house because I don't know what you're carrying, that you're leaving. I could open up that. No time. What am I saying? It's time to set boundaries. Boundaries will protect your heart and keep your head sane. Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be straight up with you. People who hold unforgiveness are insane. I've been one to hold unforgiveness. I know some of you are like, man, you're being ugly. No. When somebody has hurt me and I refuse to forgive them, my mind is chaotic. Anybody else? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure, of course. Here's the danger of not setting boundaries. If you've got people in your life that, that you hang out with who are, or who are clearly broken and have all kinds of issues and they're not asking for help, as a matter of fact, they enjoy being jacked up. Before too long, what you once called broken, you will now call normal. And before too long, if you continue, you yourself will be normally broken. <laughs> I don't even know how else to say it. That's why it's important who you're hanging out with, who you're allowing in your circle. Let me give you a couple thoughts on boundaries, and then I'll, and then I'll, I'll bring it down. This is where I was going to go prematurely. Here it is. Because I know when I said setting boundaries, y'all are like, oh, yeah, because a boundary is a way to stick it to them, to let them know you hurt me and I'm in control. Hold on. Boundary, this is not going to be on the screen, so you're going to want to write it down. Boundaries are a tool, not a weapon. Boundaries are a tool to get somewhere, not a weapon for you to bring something to somebody. What's the tool for? To always, to always cultivate 
an atmosphere that, that, that promotes conversation. That's what that tool is for, to keep the conversation there. Because see, all of Matthew 18 that we read is just Jesus pushing you and I to keep conversation going. You hurt me. I'm going to come and talk to you about it. You won't receive. I'm going to bring two or three witnesses because I, not, 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 my, not, not my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my spouse, not my mama, not my daddy, not all the people that are going to have my side and not listen to both sides of the story because I don't know if you know this or not, but there are two sides to every story. It blows my mind when I sit and watch Christians write people off immediately because of one offense. By the way, a sign of spiritual maturity is when you stop being so easily offended. That's a sign of spiritual maturity. I don't care if you sit in church all your life. If you wear the t-shirt, offended, 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 offended. You're immature spiritually. I'm not saying that you're not going to have an offense, but, but then it says deal with it this way. Because if all I do is walk around offended, offended, and most people who walk around offended, offended, are not people who are coming back in the church. People who are coming to the church say, I have been offended, but I've given, I lay it all down at your feet, God. None of us are perfect, so, so don't, 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 don't feel like I'm jamming on, on you this morning. I'm, what I'm saying is we're all imperfect people. But what gets us to the place of becoming more like Christ, who is perfect, he's the only one, by the way, is when we come in here, surrender our will to his. And that's what these steps are all about. Don't be so easily offended. If you get offended, don't run from the healing process. <coughs> don't run from the process of healing. So boundaries are, boundaries are a tool, not a weapon. Number two, boundaries are not avoidance. I'm going to be done before 12, 15, I promise. Listen, boundaries are not avoidance. If you're here today and you say, I forgive them, but every time you see them in Walmart, you're running from them, you have not forgiven. If you say, I forgive them, but every time you're avoiding them, that's not forgiveness. All right, let me move on. Boundaries are not the silent treatment. Hello, married couples. I'll use us for example. <laughs> And it don't matter. You can have praise and worship music playing in your car, but ain't no conversation on the way to Gainesville. That's not a boundary. I'm just not going to talk. <laughs> Boundaries are not ghosting. Leaving your, 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 whoever's offended you, your spouse, whoever, leaving them on red. Those of you that are younger, you know what I'm saying. I'm just learning. I learned it from Connor and Ansley, they tell me. When you leave somebody on red, that means they sent you a text and you ain't... You, you, <laughs> Mm -mm. that's not setting a boundary that's not setting a boundary boundaries are not gossip <laughs> Jesus didn't say if you follow all three steps and, and you, and you treat, the, the, treat them like a tax collector then you, get to go to, then you get to run around town going they're a tax collector they're a tax collector he's a tax collector he's a tax collector he hurt me y'all know how we do but now we have Facebook so we do everything but put their name in there and then what do we do well, let me check their friends list. We've got to see who they're talking about. Who do they just unfriend? That's probably who it's going to be. Okay, I, I feel like you're fading fast. 
You don't get to go to the dinner table and justify how they hurt you and how you tried to apologize, but they wouldn't have it. That's not setting a boundary. And that's not hurting them. That's taking the wound that you have and, and just opening up all the wounds all over again. Yeah, but I set a boundary. Good for you. <laughs> Sounds like you're using a boundary as a weapon, not a tool. In closing, let me bring it down. None of us have an issue setting boundaries when it comes to ownership. But when it comes to our emotions or our physical relationships or our spirit man, we have a problem setting boundaries. I got a, a neighbor, Mr. Ed, moved there shortly after my parents passed away and he's in his 80s and <clears throat> I've helped him do some stuff, yard work and things when he went down in his back and, and he's a cool cat, like he's a cool dude. But we got a fence between, I'm like, he's cool, but we got a fence. You know what that fence between our yard, his yard and our yard? That just shows ownership. Now, there's not a fence in the front. And if you know anything about me, I'm meticulous about my yard. Don't go by there today because it needs some work. I ain't had time. But for the most part, I'm, I'm drawing, I'm drawing, I'm doing lines in it, not just straight this way. I'm doing catty slanted lines and then back this way. And, and it irks me to no end when Mr. Ed gets out there before me. And because we don't have a fence... And he's a little older, and he has this, this crazy zero turn that is way too much power for what he needs. And he comes flying around that corner, and he can't make it right, even though it's a zero turn that turns on a dime. Sucker goes way out in the yard and messing up my lines. Mr. Ed, we got to talk. <laughs> See, we don't have a problem setting boundaries when it comes to... to, 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 to to, to those things. Oh, let me ask you this. How many does online banking? Online banking? Any, who, Adam, you do online banking? Let me have your password. You don't trust me? Let me have your password. You're messing up my illustration. You're supposed to say no. You know why? But, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. He said yes. Because he trusts me. Stop giving people permission. Stop re re withholding boundaries. Know who you're letting on the inside. Make sure it's people that you can Not everybody gets access to me. There's one person who has unlimited access to me. Because even when I have a bad day, she ain't leaving. But if I disappoint you, you could leave. Boundaries define ownership. The privilege of access comes with responsibility. And the reason I believe he said yes is because he knows I will be responsible with what I see and have access to. 
yes, when I come up here, I, I, I pour my guts out. But I'm not going to just get up here and tell you everything about my life. Because that's privileged information. And I don't know that all of you would be responsible with the information that you get. How are you doing in that department? Is your life an open book? Are you allowing just anybody and everybody to come in and wonder why they're taking information and causing chaos in your life? It's because they're not responsible for what you've allowed them. Whatever you allow and give permission to, that's what's going to happen. Access is granted to those who are responsible with it. Boundaries are not a tool. Excuse me. Boundaries are a tool, not a weapon. Boundaries help, help balance access and responsibility. I didn't give you that one. And then the, the third one, boundaries celebrate love but expect trust. There has to be trust. Let me say this about trust. Trust, something I've learned, trust is earned in drops and lost in buckets. <laughs> you ever mess up and expect you to get all that trust back? Trust is earned in drops, but will be lost in buckets. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that God requires you and I to live in toxic, dysfunctional relationships. But it does give us the steps to take. And he teaches us about boundaries that must be set. Remember, if you don't heal from the hurt in your heart, Adam, get ready to come. It's going to turn to hate. And that hate is only going to turn into you being like the person that hurt you. It's like driving a car with the windows down, looking for a quick fix. Listen, no more quick fixes. It's time to communicate. How long does it take? Let me show you. Truth plus time equals trust. Truth plus time equals trust. Amen? Amen? Amen. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. For more content from Release City, or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you, and until next time, the best is yet to come. <laughs>